Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wolf Podcast. Hello all and welcome to episode 257 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm, as almost always, I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, for this episode. And I'm joined by the delightful Lars Polman. <laughs> Hello Lars, how are you doing? It's good to have you back on the show. Uh, I'm good as I'm apparently delightful these days. Stefan, how are you doing? Very well, myself. How have you uh, endured the international break? Uh... Working pretty much. I mean, football never really stops these days. So, but I didn't watch any of the Germany games. So I guess that was kind of a plus these days. Yeah, I didn't really miss much, even though the, the Germans actually played well against the Netherlands for like 85 minutes, but uh, watch it anyway. Anyway, um, this episode is sponsored by the wonderful Marty Miller and Sandra Huang, who have, uh, sponsored us on patreon.com slash the yellow wall thank you so much and um with that we get back to the bundesliga it was the last international break before the winter break and borussia dortmund have a couple of feisty matches ahead um this week we will talk about the two upcoming games against fsv mainz 05 and fc bruges which is i guess an Okay, start. Um, Lars Mainz have so far conceded 12 goals in this uh, season in the Bundesliga, just as many goals as Dortmund have conceded. Um, do you think they can be a trap game, a stumbling stone for the black and yellows as I would make them out to be? Or do you think this should be an easy walk for Dortmund? I mean, there's... There's some gray area you just left out. I mean, you usually after an international break, there shouldn't be any trap games because you're not in a flow that would allow for you to overlook an opponent. Basically, you had two weeks to prepare for this game, uh, or at least a lot of the players and the coaching staff did. So it's not the kind of game where you should overlook an opponent, but obviously, Uh, away games in the Bundesliga, even though the results have been really good this season, haven't always been the easiest games for Dortmund. So with Mainz, they beat Dortmund late last season. A lot of the players obviously remember that. Uh, Mainz actually clinched uh, survival in the Bundesliga, if you like, in that game. So it will also be fresh on their minds. So I, I wouldn't assume this to be an easy game for Dortmund by any stretch, but Uh, also would assume, on the other hand, that they come away with the win just because of the the gulf and disparity in talent level between the two teams. And especially with uh, Dortmund, you had a lot of influential players like Götze, Alcacer, even Marco Reus, even though he was away on international duty, who, who should be fresh and, and healthy for this game. So uh, I think ultimately... 
if they don't come away with the win, that would be a bit of a disappointment, but Mainz are the kind of opponent that can make it difficult. Yeah, I mean, they uh, just stifled a very poor Vera Bremen in a 2-1 win and then uh, won 3-1 away to Freiburg, which is also not an easy game. So um, I wonder um, how Mainz um, yeah, will fare against Dortmund. Lucien Favre in the press conference talked about how their favorite setup these days is a 4-4-2 in a diamond. Um, I don't think that's a system that Dortmund would struggle with. Um, do you think, just looking it, at it on paper, um, that this is the sort of system Dortmund can struggle with? Honestly, I have no idea. Because typically the way Dortmund are shaping up this season... They are so dangerous on the front foot and pretty dominant on the ball, which is kind of the Farfour style, that opponents usually don't go with their on-paper formation in many situations. Uh, I, I believe Mainz will probably be the same with uh, their holding midfielder basically dropping into uh, a third centre-back role. And the wingers, if you want to call them that, in a diamond uh, uh, dropping deeper. So it, it's still going to be that defensive block most of the times and Mainz's best avenue for attack will probably still be on the counter. So I'm, I'm not sure that we will see too much of Mainz in what may be considered their preferred formation at this point because of you know Dortmund's strength these days. Yeah, I assume so too. Um, maybe a little update on, on Borussia Dortmund's um, uh, roster because Lucien Favre has more or less a luxury of, of uh, yeah, picking from an almost completely heavy squad. Marcel Schmelz is the only one who is not entirely fit yet, even though being back in team training. But um, I don't think Favre wants to risk him. So Schmelzer will not make uh, the team also left home. According to Bild is Julian Weigel... Um, Marius Wolf, Maximilian Philipp, Kagawa, Rode, Toljan, Isak, Gomez, Bonic, and the third goalkeeper, Ulschlegel. Um, and Marvin hits, of course. He, uh, I think, had a slight sickness or something, but he is then back in form. On the other hand, Mainz have uh, quite the issues with their goalkeeping uh, position because I think Robin Sentner, their I think third goalkeeper is the only one available right now because uh, René Adler and whatever and whoever the other guy is, I think Müller or so, uh, are out injured and Sentner had uh, gastric flu this week. So I'm not entirely sure how fit he is, but I'm pretty sure he will play regardlessly. Um, do you think Robin Sentner um, will be... A big disadvantage for Dortmund. I think if I remember correctly that he had a couple of uh, games already against Dortmund and did not fare so well, but I might also just completely recall it the wrong way. I mean, Dortmund at least used to have the habit of making even the most pedestrian Bundesliga goalkeeper look like Manuel Neuer in his prime. But this season, that hasn't really been the case. I mean, I might be overlooking things, but I don't really recall any mediocre Bundesliga keeper having the game of his life this season against Dortmund. Uh, I mean, there's been... The, the the point has been made in the media time and time again this season that Dortmund's uh, faring really well in front of goal in terms of how they use their chances. So, 
as for Zentner, I don't really, all these minds goalkeepers, bar Rene Adler, you could, I could not pick them out on the street if they walked in front of me. Uh, I think Zentner is the one who had that funny incident where he tried to kick a ball but didn't hit it. And uh, I think it might have been Stuttgart or something, uh, or some team scored against him or had a huge chance or whatever. Uh, but basically, if if it comes down to the Mainz goalkeeper having the day of his life, I guess that's what can happen in the Bundesliga from time to time. But I don't think it should make all the difference in the world which of these bottom five talent goalkeepers in the Bundesliga will play tomorrow. Yeah, very true. I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, Mainz are struggling with their <laughs> goalkeepers because... Their two first choice goalkeepers are out injured right now. Um, I guess if we, if we talk about, um, Dortmund being quite prolific in front of goal, uh, maybe we can, uh, briefly talk about Borussia Dortmund today announcing that, uh, Paco Alcázar will, um, be a permanent signing this winter. Um, they will trigger his clause. Um, Barcelona will, uh, have the, I guess will receive five percent of any further transfers he makes um, of that fee. Um, I don't know <laughs> how that would work if they buy him back, but um, I guess there would be a five percent discount. But I also don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, Lars, I don't think that's a big surprise right now. Paco Alcázar is, I don't know, to to me, is pretty much of a perfect fit for a Favre team. Um, what do you make of this decision coming now? Well, apparently, uh, some Spanish media have reported the last few weeks that Barcelona actually went to Dortmund and tried to get the deal done earlier, presumably in order to gain some funds for the winter transfer window. I don't, I'm not sure how, you know, that works out in terms of when Dortmund have to actually pay and if that's all in one installment or whatever, but maybe it's just for the books and Barcelona. I mean, all these Spanish clubs, uh, clubs basically don't really wait for money to actually be in their bank accounts to make some business. So uh, in, in that sense, it didn't surprise me now uh, just because it had been reported. But the decision itself to me is a little bit surprising just because they had so much time to uh, gather the most information on how the player fits into the system and into the group. Because for however many goals he scored in, I think, 400 minutes of action for Dortmund, Uh, that's only 400 minutes of action for Dortmund. Uh, that's uh, less than a third of all available minutes he could have played since moving to Dortmund in August. So, you know, you don't really have the complete picture on Alcacer. Obviously, right now, everything looks perfect, basically. He's uh, been a huge success so far, but, I mean, there's always, you know, the the, the slight possibility that it's all a flash in a pan and you know three or four months from now when he's not scoring three or four games in a row uh, maybe some at least would reconsider spending 21 million euros plus whatever uh, escalators that there are in the deal so yeah, i think it's it's 23 plus five no, to, today uh, today everybody said 21 and that's the discount that Barcelona apparently offered to Dortmund just so they would uh, move the deal ahead by six months. 
at least that's what the the Spanish media have said. But it doesn't really matter either way. If Paco Alcácer is the guy he seems to be right now, then you know, twenty one, twenty three, twenty five, twenty seven, all of that is a really good deal for Dortmund because you don't get such prolific goal scorers on the free market for that kind of money, and especially they don't move to Dortmund usually. So, uh, it, and especially not at that age, he's twenty five years old. Yeah, I mean, if if As I said, if he's this guy, you know, in at the end of the season and scored ho however many goals and is healthy and can play all the time, then it's a no-brainer. But to me, there's that slight risk uh, that you know he 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 may be a bit better now than he's going to be long term, and and that's something that Dortmund, I guess, were comfortable with, and that's not to be argued, I guess. Well, I mean, until the Bayern game, he scored with every shot on target in the Bundesliga, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously, he will regress to the means at some point. But uh, overall, I still think that he's a good of good enough striker for Dortmund to to make that decision with comfort. Um, obviously, you can always say let's let's wait longer and and to see how it pans out. But on the other hand, maybe you also want to send a signal to the player. I don't know um, what their line of thinking was or whether it was just due to the pressure of Barcelona. Um, we'll see. But I think Dortmund fans can be really happy with this signing. And uh, it's it's funny how I think Michel Zock even explained it at some press conference how um, they were pretty lucky in the end that uh, he became available so late in the transfer window apparently that wasn't may, may may have been on their radar but also not you know a given possibility and uh, last how would you see the prospect of Dortmund entering the season without a strike at all do you think that would have been a nightmare or do you think they would have been fine uh somewhere in between i mean they would have been fine in terms of, you know, going for the Champions League. But I think uh, now at the, almost at the end of November, uh, having just beaten Bayern and being seven points ahead of them, I think the aspirations for the season are a bit heightened. I mean, they they won't say it publicly, but I'm sure that a lot of people in that dressing room and, you know, at the headquarters are already thinking, a bit higher than making the Champions League, let's put it that way. So I don't think that would have been possible without a striker. I don't know whether they really needed someone to be as prolific in front of goal as Paco has been. But, you know, it's it wouldn't have been an absolute nightmarish scenario. I think ultimately Maxi Philipp probably would have worked out a little bit better than he did at the start of the season. I mean, he waited really long for his first goal and, and it's now been kind of, uh, you know, uh, a, a guy who struggles to make the squad evidently. So I think that would have been a bit different. And also we've seen in the last few weeks and games that Farfel actually can make Mario Götze work as, you know, not really necessarily a striker per se, but playing up front in, in that position. So I think they they might have been somewhat fine, but obviously they they needed that added goal threat to go even further than that. Yeah, that's the way around it. Answer. I mean, we have seen now that 
Dortmund can work without Alcacer. And uh, I mean, I mean, he's, people... he's as I said, he's only played 400 minutes. I mean, he's exactly, not he's not exactly. had that huge an impact in in that regard. He's just scoring with every other touch. It seems. <laughs> yeah, almost. So th this is a question that I hear you know, being asked quite often, and I want to just pose it to you, Lars. Um, do you think that currently he is better or more efficient or of more value if he comes off the bench than uh, when he's starting? Or do you think that's, uh, I don't know, a, a weird one? Yeah, I think that's really dependent on your opponent. I actually, on the day of the Bayern match, I wrote in the morning that I want to see Mario Götze start and Paco coming off the bench. Because I thought that Götze had done really well in his, uh, I think, two games up front and seemed a good fit against the Bayern's uh, defenders, with Paco obviously being, I mean, close to being already the best joker in Bundesliga history. I think he needs two more goals off the bench for that mark. So, I mean, against them it made sense, but, you know, for for a game like this against Mainz, Uh, I, I would assume Paco makes more sense from the start and Götz uh, might be better as a bench option, maybe to control the game, not coming on up front, but maybe for Marco Reus or Reus moving to the wings and uh, putting on a bit more stability and control in, in midfield. So uh, I, I, I can understand where people are coming from just because Paco has been so great as a substitute, but you know he's still far and away the best pure striker Dortmund have in their squad and that that has value from the start obviously yeah I, I totally agree so how would you think Dortmund will line up on Saturday afternoon which is probably already today by the time you hear this or yesterday uh, happy Sunday in, in that case <laughs> um, I think I mean I actually am going to watch the game on Sunday because I'm not going to be available or Or the, I, I won't be home for the game. Let's put it that way. Um, I think, uh, Alcasa up front is uh, quite obvious. Sancho is going to start. Royce is going to start. Pulisic versus Brun Larsen. That's kind of a, a coin flip these days, I would say. Uh, Pulisic apparently did pretty well for the USMNT, especially against Italy. Uh, so maybe that makes more sense than Larsen, who, It's a bit more straight line forward than him. Uh, Witze is obviously going to play. He doesn't need breaks, uh, especially with uh, Weigel out. Next to him, I think Dahoud did really well coming off the bench against Bayern. And Delaney, to me, this isn't the kind of game that makes sense for him because, you know, we, we, we ought to expect Dortmund to be the dominant team and uh, Dahoud adds more than Delaney in that regard. Uh, Piszczek at right back, Akanji, if he's healthy enough, I would assume so, because we haven't heard any differently, but I, I do wonder why, if he, if he and Abdul Diallo are truly healthy, why, uh, Ömer Topak is in the squad, because, you know, you have Akanji, Diallo, and Zagadou, that should be enough, so maybe there's a slight question mark behind one of these guys. Which is why I would expect uh, Zagadou next to Akanji and not Diallo, and uh, on at left back uh, Hakimi as always. Yeah, and Roman Böcking goal, if I may add, and that's pretty much the lineup I would pick as well. I think um, we won't have too many surprises in, in a game like this anymore. I think Favre has more or less 
uh, you know, his, his favorite setup down and it's been working quite well. And with that, I think you can go with this team and, you know, with some quite a comfort, you have what I like to call the automatism. You have a lot of routines already that work out. Players have a really good understanding. And of course, um, then you can always, uh, yeah, bring on fresh players off the bench. I think uh, Rafael Guerrero in the recent weeks has also done well when coming off the bench. And um, so that's another option. And yeah, Lucien Favre, of course, when he makes a mistake, usually manages to correct that within the game, which is on the one hand good that he can correct it, but on the other hand bad that he makes it in the first place. That's always the, uh, I guess, both sides of that medal. Anyway, should we move on to that uh, humdinger midweek game against Bruges after we predict the game in Mainz? Since you won't be able to see it, uh, I I think I'll go first, Lars. I mean, <laughs> so we, have... we might want to uh, point out that Mainz are kind of a favorite opponent of Dortmund's because I think they've beaten Dortmund twice uh, since whenever they moved to the Bundesliga in the first place or maybe thrice. So it's it's usually the kind of opponent Dortmund are really good against and especially Marco Reus. I think he has like 11 goals against them. But then again, as I said before, they just beat Dortmund on match day. What was it? 33 or 32 or whatever in Dortmund. I think it was 33. In Dortmund. So, you know, that's that's how far these statistics go. So let's go ahead with the predictions. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for Dortmund. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring match, but I've been also wrong before. So what do you think it's going to be? Yeah, my predictions have been absolutely abysmal this season, but obviously now that the international break is over, I'm going to be on the up. And I'm going with the, what you always say, housewife tip of a 2-1 win for the better team, which in this case is Dortmund. All right. Yeah, Marco Reus has uh, scored 11 goals and 5 assists in 16 games against Mainz in all competitions. So, yeah, I think Mainz, Bremen and Bayern are his favorite opponents goals-wise, even though he has obviously played way more games against Bayern than he has against uh, Bremen and Mainz. But, uh, yeah, there you go. I think Bremen are actually now his completely favorite opponent, which Dortmund still play thrice this season. So, yeah, now on to the Champions League. Um, Bruges have defeated Monaco, are uh, on four points right now. Dortmund and Atletico, of course, on nine. Um, if Dortmund win this game, they're obviously through. I think a draw should be enough as well. But um, you, I think, want to win the group, Lars. Is that a priority these days or uh, is it not for clubs anymore? I mean, I think that there are some statistics that say coming second doesn't really uh, matter too much these days, but I think it's a question of pride. And also, uh, I think the, the final match day of the group stage for Dortmund against, uh, at Monaco will be on a Tuesday. So you don't have the advantage of knowing at least half of the possible opponents. So, I mean, it's all quite mathematical. I think at the end of the day, professional football players and, you know, coaches, coaching staffs, decision makers overall, I think they go into every game and especially on the European stage where all eyes are on these teams competing uh, to actually win the game. And I think uh, with the uh, inferior opponents coming up, 
uh, in Bruges and Monaco, I think not coming away with six points or at least four, let's say four, uh, I think that would be considered a disappointment by most. And I include myself in that. Yeah, me too. I mean, Bruges have given, I think, every team they've played so far run again uh, for their money. Um, I mean, the first match day where Dortmund played in Bruges in Belgium uh, was fluky to say the best that Dortmund came away with all three uh, points. It needed a birthday miracle from Christian Pulisic. I think that was sort of a half-deflected shot that then lopped over the goalkeeper um, for the very late 1-0 win while uh, Bruges fluffed a couple of chances. Um, I don't know what to make of this game because Bruges are, I don't know, to me they are um, comparable to a very feisty Bundesliga side. It's it's a team that should be beatable but, um, you know, can pose a lot of problems for Dortmund. Um, do you think that on home turf now Dortmund should win a more comfortable and be also because of the progression of time? Because I still think... Back then, when Dortmund played away to Bruges, they had a couple of problems to figure out that they have sorted out by now. Do you think just because of that, it's going to be easier for the black and yellows? Yeah, definitely. I mean, back then, Dortmund came away with lucky wins against the likes of Frankfurt and Leverkusen and Augsburg. I think that was somewhat... Uh, in the vicinity in terms of the schedule. And, and now... They've dismantled uh, Monaco and Atletico at home. So I think, the, and obviously coming off the Bayern match and being, you know, relatively comfortable in the Bundesliga table, I think that all contributes to what I presume will be a, a much better performance than in the first meeting with Bruges and ultimately also with the win. Uh, also, I think this is the kind of game where playing in front of how many is it in the Champions League? 64,000 or something along those lines? Yeah, 65,000. Yeah, I, I think that's that can make a huge difference, uh, especially with the way the season has been going so far. The, that should be a raucous crowd. Uh, people are hungry for Dortmund football these days. And I don't I don't know how, how often the Bruges players have been in that kind of situation also because I'm pretty sure they are uh, away at... Atletico on the final match day, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, ultimately, the, there, there shouldn't be too many issues with this game. But then again, uh, as you've pointed out earlier, they really, really looked quite bad in that first meeting with them. So, I guess, uh, Bruges also know there are a couple of weak spots in this Dortmund team. Obviously, the question then becomes, have, have Dortmund figured them out by now? Yeah, one of the two. And I also wonder, um, in, in, in a more general point, if, um, since Dortmund are now top of the league and, uh, you know, enjoy a lot of limelight, whether that will lead to, um, Bundesliga opponents in general, um, putting more focus on them and coaches maybe coming up with ideas on how to stifle Dortmund. I mean, Sandro Schwarz said it at the press conference for Mainz that uh, Dortmund certainly have the phases where they can be, um, gotten so i i wonder if he has some special plan in hand um or or not i don't i don't know i mean sandro schwarz is in in my book a very formidable coach in the bundesliga um 
someone who actually appreciates when you ask uh, tactical questions, which cannot be said about every coach in the Bundesliga. Um, do you think that this could be an issue? And if we look at Dortmund's schedule now, it's, it's Mainz, it's Freiburg, at least in the Bundesliga, it's, it's Schalke, Bremen and, uh, Düsseldorf and, and Gladbach. Do you think that, um, yeah, the, the list of course doesn't read so tricky, but do you think because of that, it could become more tricky toward the end of this, of the, uh, year? Or do you assume that Dortmund will actually, um, yeah, be in clear waters more or less? No, I think that is a quite tricky list. Uh, especially without the big hitters, if you like, of Bayern and, and Leipzig and Hoffenheim these days, uh, and Leverkusen, even though they aren't really good this season. I mean, the, the Revier Derby against Schalke, that's, doesn't matter where either team is in the Bundesliga standings. That's a, always a tough fixture, even if you win somewhat comfortably, as Dortmund have managed a few times over the years. Uh, that's also because of the, tension it builds in the entire area that's not a not an easy game uh bremen have been in a rut of late but um, you know people considered them uh candidates for europe for a reason they have a really really good coach the florian kofeld and gladbach uh, next to leipzig are the second test sec second best team in the bundesliga That's a Friday night game, the last game of the year for all 22 players on the pitch. So, so that should be contested quite uh, heftily. So, and then you, you look at Düsseldorf, who need every point for survival this season. Freiburg have been pretty good against good opposition this season. I think they beat uh, Gladbach, if I'm not mistaken. They came away with a point from Bayern. So that's not an easy game. And then now minds, as we talked about earlier, that, that can always be difficult. So you, you may look at the, at that and, and think, you know, that should be 12 points at the least or whatever, but you can also, uh, come up with one or two points on every opponent why it's not going to be an easy game. So, and that's without even taking into account what you just said about coaches potentially coming up with special plans for Dortmund, which I'm not sure many of those guys are capable of necessarily. So uh, I I think these few weeks are really going to be interesting um just because you know it's not necessarily the A list of opponents but all of these teams can be quite tricky so there could be some hidden points missing that you know at the end of the season might come or, or would have come in handy if if you know Bayern don't make a true comeback and it's going to be, you know, smooth sailing for them, which is still, I guess, possible. Yeah, obviously that's always possible with, uh, you know, players like Thiago and Coman and whatnot returning for Bayern. And so they maybe have a couple of, of transfers in the, in January. Um, I don't know at what level Alfonso Davis will be, of course. But, um, speaking about the title race now, of course, who do you, think Dortmund should worry the most. I personally would pick Leipzig just because they have the best defense right now and look to be the most consistent team. And Ralf Rangnick, I think, has has turned the corner after, you know, a couple of complications earlier this season. Um, They look, be, I don't know, to me, they just look to be the team that can pick up points the most consistently. Uh, they, I don't think, are prone to a game like uh, Gladbach, who I think lost 5-1 to one or something against... Leverkusen, I don't think that could happen to Leipzig. So to me, uh, that's the, uh, right now the, the 
the yeah most dangerous team against Dortmund. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think Leipzig have that same tenacity they showed in their first season in the Bundesliga with arguably a better squad these days, uh, especially defensively. I think Gulashi, for example, has turned into one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. You mentioned their defensive record. I think they haven't conceded a goal uh, in the last six Bundesliga games or something along those lines. So I think they are here to stay, whereas Gladbach, I could easily see fall away even in the next few weeks until the uh, winter break and certainly uh, next season because, you know, it's still Dieter Hacking coaching them and he just got a contract extension today. There's going to be a lot of talk about players potentially leaving, uh, you know, talk on Azar, who's actually reportedly at least a, a target of Lucien Favre's at Dortmund. So I, I would assume that Gladbach is going to fall away and Leipzig will be here to stay. All right. Yeah. That's, I, I assume so too. Especially Leipzig have not lost a game since playing away to Dortmund in the very first game of the season. And if people remember, uh, Dortmund were a bit lucky to win this one. To, uh, to even be in the game at halftime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lars. Um, I don't think we will have more to say on, on, uh, Bruges. And I don't think there is more to say on the Bundesliga itself unless you have another point to make. Or something do you want to get off your chest now? Um, now is your time to speak. Otherwise, I think it's time to knock it on the head. No, I think we can. Uh, uh, Bruges are actually playing as we speak. So it's not even like we could talk about their uh, recent form after the international break. But I, I do see that right now they are 1-0 down to Zulte Warchem, who are 13th in Belgium. And that's a 16-team league, I believe. So... No, yeah, it's 16 teams and they are one nil down to the 13th team at home. So, uh, I would assume that that's just a blip on the radar and they're actually really good on Wednesday. But as of right now, that only reinforces my belief that Dortmund are going to win three nil. All right, yeah, I I think we will see a similar performance um to uh, Dortmund's game where they hosted Monaco and I think a three nil is just exactly the correct result, which is why I also predict that one. Um just because it should be a very mature Champions League performance by the black and yellows at the Westfalen Stadion. Um this is something I certainly wish for. Um a nice, easy, boring game. I don't need excitement in this one. So um yeah, that should be all. Last please uh tell our dear listeners where to uh get in touch with you on the internet and how uh how uh, ni <laughs> nicely if at all possible uh and just go to twitter.com uh and my handle is at Lars Polman. yes my twitter handle is at Stefan Butzko. you find my written work on ESPNFC if you want to subscribe to this show please go to iTunes Stitcher or SoundCloud or whatever your favorite podcatcher is And of course, last but not least, I may mention that uh, you can support us on patreon.com slash theyellowall, where um, you can even, uh, yeah, when you support us for 15 bucks or more, you can get a stadium cup like uh, Marty Miller will. And um, 
people who sent us their predictions for the games will uh, be able to choose the match day flyer, which I will send them. And uh, these offers won't be for all too long because I will uh, not be in this country for uh, too many more weeks. So um, yeah, go ahead and uh, pitch your predictions and we'll see if any one of our listeners uh, has a better hand than us. Anyway, thank you again, Lars, for coming on and thank you again for everyone out there for listening and we shall be back next week with, I hope, a little bit of a more elaborate show. Goodbye and until then.